This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Coming up. Really soon, I mean, sooner than you'd think, the investigators start to push back. I'm not clear. What do you, you know, you said this, but now you're saying this. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. All right, good afternoon. I'm Sheriff Mike Williams with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, and I'm joined here today by Special Agent Charge of the Jacksonville Field Office. It's Monday, November 11th, 2019, and the Jacksonville County Sheriff is updating the press on the ongoing search for a missing five-year-old girl named Taylor Williams. So again, here's what we know. Uh, As we have previously stated in the morning hours of Wednesday, November the 6th, a young Taylor was reported missing from her family home on Ivy Street, located on the north side of Jacksonville. It's now been five days since Taylor was last seen, and the search has expanded beyond Florida. Uh, So at this time, we have deployed assets to Alabama to participate in search efforts. Uh, Primarily, we have our investigative teams from the homicide unit on the ground in Alabama. Here with me today is Ann Schindler, executive producer of Special Projects with First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. So, Ann, I reached out because... We have a court date related to this case scheduled for next week, but let's work our way up to that, starting with the disappearance of a five-year-old girl back in November. What happened as far as as anyone knew at that time? Well, it started, like a lot of those stories, with a really frantic newsroom. You know, anytime you have a child that's gone missing, um, it throws you into motion and pretty high gear. So we were broadcasting, you know, the news that this five-year-old had been apparently kidnapped. The mom had reported that the back door was unlocked. They just moved to this new neighborhood. Um, and you know, the girl had been missing. She sometime early in the morning was when police were notified. And so that was as a newsroom, all we knew, we kind of, you know, put our crews out, started broadcasting and, um, trying to let people know, putting pictures of the girl out there and and trying to get people looking for her. And so her name, the five-year-old girl, is is Taylor Williams, and it's her mother, Brianna Williams, who reports her missing, correct? That's right. What's going on? I do not know where my daughter is. Williams calmly answers questions at first. Where was she last seen? She was here with me. Then she begins to cry for several minutes. <laughs> they are Jacksonville residents. The mom is uh, works at NAS Jax, which is a naval base here in Jacksonville. Um, and the girl was apparently going to preschool on the naval base, um, but they were f- the the mother, Brianna Williams, is a young woman, um, was originally from a small town, Demopolis, Alabama, and she had just moved from kind of the south side of the city from one apartment to this neighborhood, a standalone home where she was living called Brentwood in Jacksonville. And you mentioned Demopolis, Alabama. That's going to come back up. Um, as we get a little further into this story, in the months since this happened, First Coast News has gotten a hold of a whole bunch of police records related to the search for Taylor Williams, including hundreds of clips of body camera footage. And you reported that one of the things that all of that footage shows 
it's just this the scope and intensity of those early search efforts. What what do you, what did you mean by that? Well, what was you know as much as our newsroom kind of kicked into motion, obviously law enforcement that's that's a huge deal for them, and they had helicopters. You know, they had um, law enforcement all over the city, everybody basically left what they were doing if they could leave what they were doing and responded. And and because, you know, there's a lot of urgency when you have a child that small missing. I think that they say that, you know, just minutes matter in terms of the likelihood that that child will, if the child's been abducted, will survive. And so um, law enforcement right away, you know, is interviewing the mother. They're doing a canvas of the neighborhood. Um, and so there's body cam from all that. Hey, not much. Okay. It's always happened. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is, you know, when we did finally start getting all of those recordings, the interviews of the mom um, and, you know, who initially was cooperative, uh, it became clear that her story was not consistent and that there were a lot Hmm. of questions that she couldn't answer. And the ones that she did answer, she she answered in a very strange way. you know, as opposed to uh, focusing on the missing child, the urgency of it, she'd kind of go into these spiraling, you know, detailed explanations of kind of why she was moving things at what time and who was moving them and and where she was. And um, it was kind of bizarre. I mean, as you're watching it just as a, as a layperson, you're like, okay, but the point is your daughter's gone. Like they're trying to get this information so that they can find her. Um, and really soon, I mean, sooner than you'd think that investigators start to push back. I'm not clear. What do you, you know, you said this, but now you're saying this. And the story was strange. She said she had just moved into this new neighborhood that she had had some people help her move. Um, but it turned out those people had never seen the child. They'd never seen her at the old apartment. They'd never seen her at the new apartment. And Brianna Williams' explanation as to why that was, is she had things like, well, we were waiting outside for them to finish moving in or you know, we were in the garage, the girl was in the garage, and that's why they never saw her. Mm. And then, of course, when police did go look at the old apartment, which she had moved out of, uh, it was still full of garbage, uh, filth, really, um, you know, a very disturbing place, really. I mean, there was, you know, kind of the odor of, of feces and urine, especially in this one closet. There was piles of trash, a lot of clothes um, in bags, a lot of cleaning supplies. So, you know, it went rather quickly, I think, from law enforcement responding as a missing child um, case and into something much darker. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. So what happens next? Where do the search efforts for this little girl 
eventually lead investigators? Well, three states. I mean, they went to uh, Georgia, Alabama, I think. Uh, well, Alabama, certainly. And, and I think it was maybe Virginia because they were looking into maybe ex-boyfriends that she'd had, um, trying to track that down. But they really interesting in this case, a lot of technology involved. Um, they used the data record from the car uh, to track where she'd been um, in great detail, including these trips back and forth to Alabama in the days prior to her reporting, reporting the daughter missing. We believe the mother was traveling in her black uh, 2017 Honda Accord, tinted windows, black rims. There's a picture here. We're going to provide that picture. And found that she had taken the car you know, for instance, to a number of car washes. She had taken the car back to her hometown of Demopolis and then to this little forest um, where eventually the daughter was found or her remains were found in this remote woods in the middle of, you know, nowhere, Alabama. So it's six days after Taylor Williams is reported missing that they eventually find her body near Demopolis, Alabama. It's not long then before her mother is arrested. What is she ultimately charged with? Well, right now she is not charged in the girl's death. She is charged with an aggravated child abuse. Um, and the statute is specific to, you know, something they call torture or unlawful caging. Um, and they believe because of that charge, they believe, um, that she was actually keeping the daughter in confinement, in the house. They seem to believe that the evidence shows that the girl was possibly kept in a closet um, and fed out of soup cans that had holes punched in them. You know, when they did talk to neighbors, a lot of them in the new neighborhood, they didn't know her at all because she had really just moved in. But in the old neighborhood, they found a gentleman who lived in an adjacent apartment who said he often saw the girl in her pajamas, in the window, the sliding glass door of the apartment. And once he found her wandering alone in those same pajamas um, and returned her to the house, but it didn't appear that anyone was there. Um, And so he kind of put her inside and and shut the door. So even, just to clarify, even with, you know, some of these, these horrifying details that have been alleged, as it stands, this still is not a homicide case? It will not be a homicide case. They have done, you know, as extensive work as they can on the um, remains to try to determine how the girl died, um, whether there was any, you know, blunt force injuries, um, anything that they could determine to show, you know, a willful murder. And they, there just isn't that kind of evidence in the remains. Um, they did find signs that could indicate malnutrition, um, on her teeth and in her bones, um, and some frailties in her skull that can indicate that the child was not being fed properly. But it was interesting, the Alabama coroner refrained from, or just didn't come to the conclusion that this was, um, a murder or, or even a homicide. The cause of death undetermined according to that official. And I think that that's something that the local law enforcement here has had a real problem with because based on that, you know, indication of uh, bone deformities or or malnutrition, I think they thought that that conclusion could be reached and um, perhaps didn't agree with the findings of that coroner. And do we know anything else about Brianna Williams' background that might 
lend some insight to to the allegations that she's facing? Well, she has a very polished and kind of interesting background. I mean, uh, she was a very high achiever in high school. She was valedictorian. She was homecoming queen um, in her high school and very popular and pretty. And it just seems so unlikely. And she had just recently been um, pinned. You know, she had gotten this new level of uh, success at her military job. And so she was a very accomplished person and by all outside measures seemed like she was pretty together. And I think that that was what made it so surprising when people got this peek into her home life and, you know, the allegations of how she treated her daughter and then certainly the condition of the house that they both shared. Have prosecutors up to this point had anything else to say about their case? And and do we know what the response has been from Brianna Williams and her defense team? They have been quiet on both sides. And in fact, Brianna Williams has been mum in other ways. I mean, not only are we not hearing from her counsel, and I guess I wouldn't expect them necessarily to be speaking very publicly, but she has had no visitors, essentially. And my understanding is that she's placed almost no phone calls since she's been incarcerated. And that was more than a year ago in November. Uh, We requested her jail log earlier this year and and it was just, you know, occasional lawyers. I mean, obviously there's been COVID and and so I think we have to take that into account. But even in the months after she was put in jail and before the pandemic began, she had no contact with family. She didn't have visitors from anyone. And so she's been very isolated. She has been in solitary confinement in the jail. My understanding is that they tried to put her into population and it didn't go well. So they had to return her to a solitary setting because I guess people with charges like those against her sometimes don't do well in general population. Bring us up to speed then on where this case stands now and and what we can expect to see next. I know there's a, a hearing scheduled for next week. We uh, are looking at you know a routine pretrial hearing. I don't believe that there's going to be any um, significant news. I know that the law, um, I know that the lawyers have been conducting their depositions. They had made some progress with them the last time we were in court, but needed additional time to talk to some of the additional people that are going to be testifying in the case. So I expect that the the attorneys are going to update the judge on where they're at in terms of their investigation and the discovery that they've received. And, you know, depending on what the courthouse condition is in terms of COVID and what sort of hearings they're having, um, the judge may feel confident at that point with setting a trial date. But of course, a lot has been delayed in terms of the criminal justice system just because the pandemic has prevented a lot of normal court functions. Well, we'll certainly continue to, to follow it as it proceeds. Ann Schindler with First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Thanks so much for sharing the story with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Daily Crime. We're here five days a week, and the best way to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes is to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast app you use. If you're looking to talk more about today's episode with some other listeners, our Facebook group Inside the Crime Vault is a great place to do it. You can head over there to talk about not only cases we cover on The Daily Crime, but all sorts of other true crime stories and podcasts. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. 